Business Bros is your show, where small business professionals just like you come to tell their stories. This podcast is for those who understand the number one rule in business, which is to be of service to others. Learn how today's professionals generate leads, what's working on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of those who are out there doing the real work. And now let's welcome your hosts, Hernan Cias, the real estate bro with eXp Realty, the cloud-based brokerage where top producers reign, and James Cias, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, making sure you are covered because there's a lot riding out there. And now here are the business bros. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. What up, ladies and gentlemen? Hernancia is here, host of the Business Bros podcast. And today we got a politically charged show. So I got Mr. Joaquin Vasquez here. He's getting ready to run for office. I'm going to let him tell us which office and which district he's in. And uh, we're going to get to hear his story. So Joaquin, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, first of all. Uh, and you know, for those of you that have not perhaps uh, gotten a chance to hear more about what we're doing is I'm basically running for Congress. I'm running for the 53rd Congressional District. I started doing this about a year ago now uh, after seeing the crisis at the border. Uh, my, you know, I'm not sure if I jump in right there, but- uh, Go ahead, man, go ahead. This is your show, man, go for it. All right, so my, I'm, I'm a first generation Mexican American, born and raised here in San Diego. Uh, back in 2000, in, in, in the City Heights area, uh, back in 2000, my dad got deported, uh, and that left my my family and my six brothers and my mom, uh, myself, homeless. Uh, so hanging around City Heights, Golden Hill areas, you know, mid city area, uh, and, and that was rough back then. Yeah, it was kind of rough. Uh, rough. Uh, so looking at how that impacted my life, and then seeing how. Trump right now is getting away with almost anything that he, that he you know sets out to do. I started being more critical. I said, you know what? All right, well, I'm I'm out here in D.C. Um, I'm working for the I was working for the Obama administration, and I'm working with a lot of other advocacy groups trying to push back on on that agenda. Uh, but we get the the zero tolerance policy, uh, the the remain in Mexico uh, family separation policy, right? That we that that we've all gotten, uh, especially in our in many of our families. Uh, we've gotten to see the effects of it firsthand, especially in the Latino community, right? Mm -hmm. So I see what's happening, and I see that there are uh, our representatives that can do a lot more about what, you know, at least to push back. And I realized that our representative, Susan Davis, was not doing that. Uh, she waited about two months or so to, to really step up and say, hey, you know what? There's this one thing happening. Uh, what should I do about it? And, and for me, you know, looking at what was happening, these kids being separated, these parents, uh, you know, not knowing, going days, weeks, months, not knowing what's going to be of their children, it, it gave me, you know, some flashbacks to my life. Uh, I, I was 10 years old back then, uh, and I thought, you know what, right now, I think we need somebody that, that it has a, a true connection with the community, and it doesn't get better than somebody that is actually born and raised in, the, in our community. Uh, that's gone through these struggles, that's seen this firsthand. Uh, so with that in mind, you know, I said, all right, well, let's jump in this. Let's go do this. I got the experience in D.C. I got the experience, my lived experience here in, in San Diego, in, living in Mexico also uh, after my dad got deported. 
uh, we lived in Tijuana for, for quite a few, uh, for, for half a decade. And then I've, been, I've become one of those uh, uh, transfronterizos, you know, mm -hmm. uh, folks that live on both sides of the border that spend a lot of time on both sides, uh, be it for, for work uh, up in San Diego or be it to just spend some time with the family uh, down, down south of the border. My dad hasn't stepped foot in this country for 20 years now. And that's going to be the, you know, and, and that's going to be possibly for the rest of his life. Uh, and that's basically what's going to happen to many of these folks that were sent back after they got kicked out of, of, of the U.S., after they got, you know, into those uh, detention centers south of the border, south by, by the border. Uh, and yet they're not going to be able to see their kids. Uh, we have uh, now go, getting closer to uh, 6,000 6, kids that are lost in the system. Uh, we need to do more. We need to uh, have somebody that, that really is just going to say, you know what, this is what we got to do. Uh, I don't have to wait for, for the party or for when it's political viable uh, to take action. Uh, that's sort of the type of, of house, uh, of home, you know, and upbringing that I had. Uh, if, if you know that something has, has to get done, you go out there, you do it, you put no excuses. Get it done, right? Get it done. So let me let me ask you because because you're gonna get pushback from from a lot of people. I, I'm I'm very much um, I'm yeah second ish generation, right? So I always tell a story how my dad was born in Brownsville, Texas, but it's only because grandma made it across the border in time for him to be born, right? But and my mom was born in Mexicali. She got a dual citizenship. Okay. Um, I got lots of you know tios and tias, all of them born in Mexico. I had to get naturalized too. You know what I mean? Um, so you, you, you get kind of the pushback and, and this is funny cause I have this conversation with my dad a lot too, right? My dad is very much along the same lines as you. It's like, you know, it's, it's very, um, very emotionally driven. These are, these are people who are just trying to seek a better life, who are trying to make something better for themselves. So you can opportunity, um, you know, that we have plenty of opportunity here in this country for other people to also succeed and, and, you know, willing to work and willing to grind it out. Um, but then you have the other side, right? And the other side is that's great and dandy, but we got to do it. You know, it, it can't just be an open door policy. There has to be an, a, a, a way where we can get people through a system that, uh, that doesn't take seven to 10 years for you, for you to get citizenship for you to, if you're willing to work and willing to put in time, there's gotta be a way to get through this, uh, pathway to citizenship so that you're a contributing member of society. I'm sure like your dad, like many of other people that, that, that I know in my own family and, and in other families, they, they come here because they want to achieve the American dream and things that they have to do to, in order to do that, to get a job, for example, aren't always the most legal ways of doing it, but they're just trying to get by. Right. What, you know, what do you say to those people who are like, you know, we, you can come through, you just got to follow the rules. Versus, you know, the other side where it's like very emotion driven, like I don't want to separate families and parents. And yet we have a legal and illegal issue here. The thing is that the lens through which the rules and the policies have been uh, written are racist and they are focused on criminalizing people that are looking for a better life to build a better life. They're, they're not coming out here looking for handouts. You see it day in, day in, day out. These people are out there are at the car wash. These people are out at the restaurants. They're up in the fields. You know, they're working, right? These folks don't come up here to just be lazy. You know, they're not up here being criminals, rapists, and, you know, and, and, and drug lords up here. No, they, they're putting in the work. And so this, this system that we have right now, the, the set of rules and policies, 
yes, make it so that these things that, that these folks are doing, like just working, uh, is seen as something illegal. And that right there is the root of the problem because the rules that we have right now focus on criminalizing these people instead of focusing on integrating them, just like when this country started. When this country started, people were being integra integrated into this country. We had a lot of different things that, that were really wrong then, which, which is also important to bring up, which is slavery, which is endangered, uh, endangered uh, uh, servants. Uh, and, and right now we have, you know, despite some of the bigger wins that we've had over the years uh, to, to uh, in, in civil rights and in, uh, you know, uh, Cesar, Ch the Cesar Chavez movement also, uh, there's a lot more that needs to be done. If we approach this through a humanitarian sort of lens and and we acknowledge that maybe these things are illegal because our laws are making it illegal, but laws are not always right. Jim Crow's laws weren't right. Uh, owning slaves, they weren't right. You know, so there's a, we need to be critical of our laws. We always need to be critical of our laws uh, so that we continue to improve them, we continue to polish them, and we continue to, to, to uh, make them better so that we actually create a better society that we're living in. You know? So it's taking a step back, being able to do that, and seeing, acknowledging that the system that we have right now focuses on criminalizing these people instead of seeing them as, you know, just like everybody else, just migrants. Uh, migrants. We sometimes, if we're in San Diego and we're not making it out here, you know, the rents are going through the roof. Uh, jobs, the, the the minimum wage, for example, uh, wages are virtually stagnant. What do we do? Well, we go somewhere else in, in a different part of the area of San Diego or a different part of the country uh, to look for that opportunity, right? We can do that within this country, uh, but we have these borders that all of a sudden, because of the borders, the conversation changes when somebody else is trying to do that. But if we just look at people being people looking for a better opportunity and a better future for their children, uh, and acknowledging that, you know, at the core, we're all human beings. We are all, uh, we all have families, right? I don't have children of my own, but I got eight beautiful nieces and, 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 and nephews. And gladly, you know, and, and unfortunately, they are here in San Diego uh, and they, they can go back and forth, right? Uh, but I want them to have a better future. And I think that everyone can agree that they want a better future for their own families too, right? We're all looking for the same thing, which is a better future. Uh, we need to approach each other in, in a better, uh, in a more positive way in, in, in a uh, humanitarian, you know, at least with the immigration and asylum seeking and refugee crisis, uh, we need to approach it from a, a humanitarian perspective and, and say, hey, you know what? These, these folks don't have too much uh, that's different than us. Uh, we, we understand that there's a lot of folks, especially in, in rural areas, uh, in, in, in the south part of, of, uh, of the country and in and, and, and middle America, that they work hard. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot. This country is built by the working class. The level of life that, that the more affluent can, can afford is really thanks to the working class, the middle and working class families. And most of these people that want to come here, they're working class people too. 
they can only add value to to what we're already building here in in, in this country. I love uh, I, I love where you're coming from. I like the humanitarian aspect. However, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you because it always makes for a better conversation, right? Um, so the 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 thing about having this this policy of you know helping people who are at our our Mexico border, for example, um, I always find the conflict with um, the ease of access that they have to just simply come across versus the people who are like let's say in the Middle East who are going through you know all kinds of issues over there that need refugees and stuff too. They need, you know, they need that access to help and they need the same opportunities that the United States can afford to offer or can offer anyways here. So what makes it more easy? What makes it better that, you know, when we're talking immigration, we seem to only focus our attention on our, our neighbors to the South versus a policy that, that can encompass everybody else who also needs help, who have to go through a specific process. Is it just because we have ease of access that we should focus our humanitarian efforts on these ones versus the other ones who have to cross the sea? Well, I mean, when I'm talking about focusing on, uh, you know, seeing this as, or, or taking a humanitarian approach, I'm not just talking about and speaking to uh, the folks that are coming from south of the border. Uh, I, I, I mean, globally, uh, we, you know, back, back in uh, 2012, 2013, I was working with the UN Refugee Agency, the United Nations Refugee Agency. Uh, it's known like that. It's it's actually called the uh, UN Refugee uh, UN Agency for. Uh, uh, well, that's that's a bulk of the work that they do. Uh, focus on helping refugees, uh, internally displaced people uh, within their countries, asylum seekers, and what I realized there was that people looking to come into the country to to the U.S. We had a list of what uh, you know, factors or, or, or check boxes you know that they needed to meet, and we have a list from specific countries that we allow you know anyone who meets those you know who, who checks those boxes, we allow them to come in, and there are in in many of those countries, you know I mean in many of the countries that are not listed or people from the from countries that are not listed in that list meet those, you know, check every box, but they're just not included because of political reasons. Mexico is one of them. Uh, some, some places in, in, in uh, Latin America are one of them. Most of what these countries have in common is a large influence uh, or, or American influence in what's happening right now in those countries. Uh, a lot of uh, political sort of uh, different factors, different things that, that's happening, but what we do see is American uh, corporate interests south of the border in Latin America. We see a, a lot of that uh, happening. We see the environment taking a big hit from, and, 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 and folks that are external actors coming into those countries, much of it has, much of those actors being American entities. Uh, so we are contributing to the displacement of these people. It's only right for us to do something about that, right? So it's not that we need to focus only on, you know, the Latinos, the brown folks, the folks south of the border, but we really need to take a, a humanitarian approach uh, towards everyone. Uh, my, my goal uh, when I get to Congress is to propose that we set up a independent federal agency that is free from, from pre presidential control that focuses 
on integrating immigrants instead of criminalizing them. So I'm, I'm uh, for dismantling uh, ICE. I, I, I've worked a lot in the customs and international trade field. So I, I know too well that there are two things that CBP, for example, focuses on. One is dealing with the human aspect of things, right? Uh, people coming in and out. And then there's customs. I think that we are training folks mainly to be uh, sort of uh, police officers or law enforcement, right? Uh, treating folks like criminals. Uh, and they, they're not always coming with, with the right tools and, and background to deal with people that are just looking for a better life. Uh, that's one. And then, then we have the folks that are focused on just the trade part of it, the customs part of it that needs to continue, right? But that's business versus humanity. That's like two separate things. I think that CBP will be better off or, or the efforts of the border and, and in dealing with customs, uh, we can better be more effective and more humane if we separate those two and we, and, and we only have that one agency, that federal independent agency free from uh, the politics of things, right? That focus that is, that is uh, staffed by the people that are actually doing the good work, the pro bono uh, doctors, nurses, uh, you know, the, the, the volunteers that are, that are helping out at the shelters, uh, the, um, the immigration attorneys that are down, downtown and, and across the border uh, and, and around San Diego that, are, that know the laws that we have and know the problems. Those people that are already, you know, on the ground helping out trying to fix this uh, or, or at least put a patch on it, you know, a band-aid on it while the problem of, of the laws, you know, continues. Those are the ones that need to be running the show. We don't need folks that are just, you know, caging folks uh, or treating them like criminals because they just walk four days over the mountains, you know. Let me, let me, let me share another aspect of it. My, my background's in accounting, right? So like my, my role, for example, my insurance agency is always, uh, can we afford to do this? Right. The, the question is, Hey, I want to do this. I'm like, well, who's going to pay for it? So that's always tends to be the same type of question that I have over and over again, whether it's business and now I'm going to ask you the same type of thing. Right. So if, you know, humanitarian, it's always a way that we have to look at things. And I 100% agree because we're all humans, right? I mean, you know, when, when, no matter who gets cut, we all bleed red and, and, you know, we all have hearts and, and families and mothers and sons and daughters and all this, you know, we all have that. We have to have a human aspect for it. But at the same time, there's so much resource that we have available how, how do we get funding to do this sort of thing? I know right now you talked about some pro bono stuff, but pro bono only goes so far. No, I mentioned the, the folks that are already doing this pro bono are the ones that should be staffed, right? So we already, we're already spending a lot on these agencies. We're already spending a lot of money uh, criminalizing these folks instead of just coming up with a different approach uh, to make sure that people can come here through, through a, a just system that, that we could put in place, right? Uh, I am, a, you know, I, I really believe that it'll cost a lot less if we're just running one agency instead of having several agencies trying to take tackle this and only making it worse. Uh, it's only what we have right now is sort of more of a of an industry. Uh, the detention centers, for example, are run by private prison companies. Uh, these folks, the main thing as a company is making money, right? So we have a lot of intermediates, a lot of uh, middle people or uh, middlemen, right? Uh, 
we just got to get rid of that. There's no reason why we should be making money out of this. Uh, the country already has a huge benefit. Uh, it's already benefiting from having these folks here in San Diego working undocumented with perhaps a, a borrowed or, or, or a false social security number. They're not seeing those benefits back. They get that money from, cut from their paycheck uh, if they're getting paid by, via paycheck. And that goes into the system and they don't get it back. Uh, or, or we have folks that are underpaid because they don't have documents. My dad, you know, his whole time that he was out here, he made at least a dollar less than the minimum wage, uh, putting in the, the same amount of work, not getting paid any overtime. All of that money, all of that work is going into helping out this country. So it's already being paid for. It's not being used to help these folks out, right? We have money on reserves to actually start, you know, funding this. Well said, well said. All right, let uh, let the audience know one more time. How do they get a? How do they? I was gonna get a hold of you. I don't know if they want to get a hold of you, but how do they get more information about you? Um, you know, when's when's the day that you want them to come out and represent? What district should they be voting for? Yeah, so if you're in the 53rd, or if you know anyone that's in the 53rd district, uh, tell them to vote for Joaquin Vasquez for Congress. My website is uh, VasquezForCongress.com. That is V-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z for Congress.com. Uh, you can learn more about my positions there. Uh, some of the things that I'm that I'm fighting for also is uh, I'm, I'm trying to uh, make sure that we are housing everyone. We have enough vacant units. We have all the necessary resources to to put a hold and slow down homelessness and also build housing to actually house folks. Uh, we have a few other competitors that are not touching this issue, and if they are, it's only coming up with half measures. Uh, but look at my website. Check out the uh, the different interviews that are out there on YouTube on the news and uh, get more informed, hit us up. My, my direct email is Joaquin at VasquezForCongress.com. If you have any questions, you know, we talked about immigration only right now, but there's a lot more that we're covering. I'm hoping that when I do get to Congress, uh, my work is going to be to make sure that we guarantee everyone a home, that we guarantee everyone a job with a livable wage so they can actually stay here and not get displaced via, you know, unfair, uh, housing policies or unfair uh, immigration policies, unfair economic policies. Uh, I'm hoping that I can use my background growing up here. Uh, I, I have a bachelor's in political science with international relations and focused on economics. So I do come, I, I do have a good, a good background in economics and, and working in economic policy in Washington, DC, working in, 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 in Geneva and Switzerland as well. And, and then uh, I have a master's in public policy and administration uh, focused on, 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 on economic policy. So I have a, a big accounting background too. Uh, I'm hoping to put all that together. I, I, my master's is from Northwestern University. My bachelor's is from UC Davis. Uh, but it all started here in San Diego. It started with seven years uh, as a student in the community college system here in San Diego. I went to Crawford High School. Uh, and so all of that together is somebody that no other candidate in this district, in this race is offering. A lived experience, the educational background and the actual experience, the work experience, working in DC, working on legislative issues to hit the ground running once we get there. I'm not compromising myself uh, by, by getting support from the folks that I'm actually trying to, you know, make sure that, that we push back on. Uh, so my whole campaign is 100% volunteers. Uh, everyone knows that we need big change. And so 
that's what we have. We have a big people-powered movement. We are third on the polls among Democrats. Uh, and, and, and honestly, this, this is going to be a toss-up. Uh, so keep your eyes open, be critical, look at all the candidates, and, and, and really vote your conscience, vote your values. Uh, don't let fear get in the way. Uh, just get out there and let, your, let the people know. When's voting day? March 3rd. March 3rd. It's coming up. We got nine days. We got nine days. Nine days. If you got your ballot already, fill it out. Send it out in the mail. If you haven't, you don't know how to vote. You don't know where your poll is. Hit me up. Let's go do this. All right. Thanks, brother. You handled some tough questions. Thank you very much for being on the show. I appreciate you. You guys have a wonderful day. And uh, I'm, hum I'm humbled to be here. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. All right, ladies and gents, that's all we got for you guys today. Catch me at four o'clock. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you interested in being on the show? Are you looking to sell your home or have a business that needs insurance? Reach out to the Business Bros via email, businessbros at cusfirst.com right now or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe and share the podcast with the business professionals who you think would benefit from the show.